Welcome to the Laivana podcast. I am Ivana, your host, life coach, and motivational blogger. I'm here to help you create your own version of a dream life. Each week, you'll hear mindset shifts and action steps that you can implement into your daily life to start living a life you're excited about. Are you ready to go all in on your dreams? Then let's get started. Hi everyone, welcome to today's episode. Today we have an interview with Tanya Reyes. Tanya is a 5-2 reflector and a human design guide from Canada. In today's episode we'll talk about being a reflector, waiting a lunar cycle before making decisions, where Tanya is going to share with us her own experience with using lunar cycles in her life. We'll also talk about human design in business, how you can create the right environment as a reflector, how not-self theme and signature theme show up in a life of a reflector, and much more. This episode is jam-packed with practical advice for applying human design to your life, so if you're interested in learning more about human design and if you want to know more about reflectors, then let's dive in. Hi, Tanya. Welcome to the Laivana podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. So to start, would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, so my name is Tanya Reyes. I live in Kelowna, BC in Canada. I've been here for a few years. I was born and raised in this province. Um, I've spent a bit of time living abroad, but ultimately ended up coming back home and settling here in BC. When it comes to human design, that's a part of your business. So I'm interested to hear how did you find out about human design and decided to become a reader and make human design a part of your business? Yeah, well, human design is my business. It's definitely the majority of, of what I do. And I first heard about human design quite a few years ago on a podcast. I honestly don't remember which podcast it was, but it was at a time in my life where I was really focused on my own self-development and growth. And so when I heard this podcast and it was really the speaker was presenting human design in a way of being this tool for self awareness and acceptance, which I really needed more of in my life. And yeah, when I first heard about it, I was pulled in, I started to do my own research. I obviously looked up my own chart, I started to look up charts of everyone in my life. And it was something that I really spent a lot of my spare time researching, but I never in a million years would have thought that I would actually become a human design reader, even though if you would have asked me what my dream job would be, it would probably have, I probably would have said to be a human design reader, but for some reason, I just didn't think it was something I would ever be able to do. And yeah, so I ended up connecting with someone in the human design community that I really respect. And she was putting together an immersive reader training, more focused on just understanding human design for yourself, but also really deepening your knowledge about all of the other types as well. And so I just really found someone that I wanted to learn from and I ended up taking her program. And once I finished that program, I was just dying to share everything that I had learned. And it was kind of a natural progression from there. And uh, was it like a long time ago or? No, this is all very recent, actually. So last summer was when I started to seriously consider, okay, maybe this is something I want to actually do for real, because I'm obviously obsessed with it. (laughs) And then uh, the program that I took, I, I believe it started last October, so October of 2020. 
and it went into the new year. So I just started offering readings at the beginning of 2021. And now being in October, I have left my corporate job and this is my main focus in what I do now. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And uh, I definitely resonated with that part when you said when you read about your chart, you immediately went to read of all the people that you know, <laughs> which is exactly yeah. what I did. <laughs> it's such a rabbit hole too. Once you know, you just, you can't stop. <laughs> yeah. And uh, since you're a reflector and you have all of your nine energy centers undefined, I'm interested to hear what were your thoughts initially when you found out that you had all nine centers undefined? Was there some kind of resistance? Were you disappointed or did you immediately love it? So it's interesting because when I was listening to the podcast and they were explaining about all of the different types, I didn't really resonate with any of them, but I thought it was really interesting, which is what propelled me to look at my own chart. And then when I pulled up my own chart and I saw that all of the centers were white, I thought something was wrong because I had never seen a reflector chart. So I ended up trying another program and it, the same chart came up and I was so confused. And then I realized, okay, this is what a reflector chart looks like. And honestly, there was no resistance. I felt like all of a sudden my life really started to make sense. And so many things about myself that I had been fighting or suppressing or trying to hide my whole life all of a sudden were being brought to the surface as gifts. And so I felt really seen in that moment. And I, since then, I've, of course, done more research as to the deeper elements of my chart that make me feel very validated as to the experiences of my upbringing, what brought me to where I am now. And yeah, I mean, I, there were, are definitely elements of my chart that I really experienced resistance with in terms of authority and waiting a lunar cycle, which we'll talk about. Um, but the aura of a reflector and just the overarching characteristics of what it meant to be a reflector really hit home for me. I love that. And that's the thing about human design, you know, you read about your own and it suddenly your whole life makes sense. Yeah, exactly. And it's what I love too when I do readings with people is so often my clients are like, oh yeah, I already knew that. Or yeah, I used to be like that when I was a kid. Or yeah, I know that. This is very validating. For a lot of people, it's just really validating because they already know these things about themselves, but maybe it's different than mainstream society or what they've been taught or how their parents raised them. So that's kind of, they kind of ignore these little things about them. And so what I love is human design really pinpoints, actually, this is something you should lean into more. And this voice is what you should listen to more. And these are the parts of yourself that are really make you special and unique. And I love what you said, you know, around society and things that we are taught that we should be like, for example, for a defined identity centers, you should choose one path, one direction and do that for the rest of your life. Whereas when you look at your chart, you know, you have that undefined, you're not meant to fit in a box, you're meant to const constantly change and choose what feels good at the moment. Yeah, and I honestly very much relate to manifesting generators, even though I don't have the sacral power that you have. But in terms of pivoting and changing directions and having many different paths in life, that feels so true for me. I have done so many different things. I've worked so many different jobs. I have been 
hundreds of versions of myself throughout my life. And so I think that MGs can kind of connect with that aspect as well. And that part was for me as well, pivoting, changing all the time, which was something that I always thought was weird because we're not taught that it's okay to change and to pivot and to change direction throughout your lives. This was very validating. Yeah, and for MGs too as well to know you're actually not meant to finish everything that you start necessarily. Yeah. If you're into something for six months and it's exciting for you, great. And then if after that time you're no longer interested, then that's fine too. Follow the next thing. And it's important for MGs to kind of do this consistent pruning of the things in their lives that no longer light them up because by letting go of some of those things, they create more space for what's, next for them to come through essentially like if you're really into photography for six months and then you have all of this camera equipment that you spent money on and you feel guilty about about it you know and then you realize actually I'm just not into this I'm going to sell my equipment and then that makes way for a new hobby or interest to come through for you yeah, definitely. I've experienced that so many times in my life. So having online energy centers undefined, what would you say which one of them is most challenging for you? I would definitely say my completely open centers are most challenging for me. So for your listeners, if they're looking at their chart and they have undefined centers, so you see white centers in your chart, but they have a dormant gate hanging off of them. So they have either a black or red little line. That's an undefined center, but the dormant gate is still offers you a little bit of consistency. It's kind of this filter that directs the energy that you're taking in through the center. If you have a center that's white with no gates coming off of it, it's completely open. And this is kind of a soft spot in our being where we're actually extra vulnerable to external conditioning. And so for me, I have a completely open ego center or heart center, and I also have a completely open throat. So those two aspects of myself are where my deepest insecurities lie, for sure. When it comes to the open heart, worthiness has been such a part of my journey, as well as allowing my desire to prove myself to someone or something or just society as a whole to really creep in and dictate certain decisions in my life. That was such a pattern. And so now releasing the need to prove myself or when I find that I'm doing something because I want to show that I can do it or I want someone to have this opinion of me, I, I know that it's, I'm not in alignment. And then for the completely open throat, having this insecurity around I don't know what I'm going to say, or am I going to say the wrong thing? Or that's such a, something that really holds me back in life often. And so having this awareness of like, okay, this is just my open throat being naggy and trying to undermine my authority, even though this thing really feels right for me, I'm not going to let my insecurity of saying the wrong thing or saying the wrong thing at the wrong time hold me back from doing something that's really meant for me. That's very important what you said, having awareness around it, because when you are aware of it, then you notice it and then you can change your mindset around it instead of just letting yeah. it 
overwhelm you and completely limit you. Definitely. And it also kind of helps to know like, okay, this is what it feels like when my open centers are trying to sabotage me in a way as opposed to, okay, this thing actually genuinely doesn't feel right for me and it's not meant for me. So kind of familiarizing myself with the distinction between the two has been really helpful. As a reflector, your strategy is to wait a lunar cycle before making a decision. So how do you know or how do you decide what decisions are best to wait a lunar cycle before completely committing to them and which ones you can make sooner? So the lunar cycle... I'll just for your listeners, maybe I'll give a little bit of background of why this is so important for reflectors. So because we're completely undefined in our chart, we are very heavily affected by the transits of the moon. So all of the other types in human design are sun beings and reflectors are the only lunar beings. And so the moon transits through all 64 gates in the chart over the span of 28 days. And so reflectors experience multiple different activation patterns throughout each day and throughout the month and because of that they're going to feel very differently about things depending on what the perspective they're receiving from the transits that they're experiencing and so waiting 28 days is really what allows a reflector to get a full picture of how they really feel about something and so we live in a world of course that you can't exactly wait 28 days to make a move on things or to accept a job or to take a house, for example. Like we have to move a little bit more quickly than that generally. My rule of thumb is if it can wait, it should. And that's kind of my minimum standard. Like if, if it can wait, I'm going to let it wait. Any big changes in my life, whether it's moving to a new city or like quitting my job, for example, I will sit with those decisions for multiple lunar cycles. So anything life-changing, anything that's a bigger commitment that's going to involve other people or affect other people, I always sit with those things for a lunar cycle. I actually just log everything in the calendar in my phone and I just kind of forget about it. And so something as well about the lunar cycle is at the end of the 28 days, sometimes I haven't even thought about whatever that thing was in the entire time. And then I realized, okay, that actually wasn't for me because clearly I haven't even thought about it again since I put it into my calendar. So what a reflector is really aiming for is to, at the end of the 28 days, to feel this kind of neutral clarity. Like I don't feel impulsive or super excitable about this decision, but I've been thinking about it every day for the last 28 days, and I think it's something that I really want to do. And so it's kind of assessing the average of how you felt over the span of the 28 days. Now that I've kind of cultivated my life in a way that allows more space for decisions, if there's a purchase over $100, for example, I'll put it in my calendar. I kind of have this budget that I make for myself anything less than that like it's fine I don't need to wait to go grocery shopping I don't need to wait to pick up this new book necessarily but if it can wait I'll plug it into my calendar but yeah anything over a hundred dollars in terms of material items big life changes a hundred percent um and as an example I just moved into a new house earlier this year and 
the decision to move from an apartment to a home, I sat with that decision for months. And once it actually came down to getting a home, that happened almost instantly. I had reached out to the person. They had over 30 applicants. I came to see the place, bam, bam, bam. It was ours within like a couple of days. And so that's just kind of a picture of how even though the actual signing of the lease, for example, couldn't have waited 28 days, the decision to actually make this change in my life could wait 28 days. And as I've become more kind of seasoned in experimenting with my strategy and authority, it becomes a lot easier for me to, by default, just, I'm going to wait on this because I've had so many situations in my life that have just proved that when I do wait my 28 days, I feel that it's the correct decision for me. It just unfolds with so much more ease and it's not hard. I don't have to push and force and grind to make things happen. And that has happened enough in my life that now I'm like, okay, I'm confident waiting my 28 days because I know it works out for the better every time. Yeah, I love that example with a house, how you allowed yourself to wait to follow your strategy. And then by the end of it, it was just with so much ease. Yeah. And also that example that you mentioned with your purchases, if it's above $100, then it's smarter to wait. I love that. Yeah, it's just like a little standard for myself. And I mean, for some people, maybe it's like over $500, then it's worth them to wait. But for me, it's like anything over 100 bucks is significant for me. So I'm going to wait on it. <laughs> yeah. So for example, my authority is sacral. You know, I make decisions in the moment. If it's yes, it's a yes. If it's no, it's a no. So it's so interesting for me to hear about reflectors, how you should allow yourself to wait. So I'm interested to hear, do you experience impatience while waiting those 28 days before making decisions? And how do you deal with it? I definitely used to a lot. I remember when I first found human design and I was like, okay, I think I'm going to try and experimenting with this. This sounds interesting. I definitely am very slow to make decisions. I would wait maybe two weeks and then I would think that was enough. And I would think I was clear on something and then I would just do it. <laughs> and then I would realize, okay, I probably should have just taken a little extra time before I jumped head first into that thing. So I used to be a lot more impatient than I am now. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, I've just built up so much trust in following my strategy and authority that it really feels most natural to me now at this point in, in my life to just wait because I know it's just how much better it feels and how much better things work out. That being said, I'm married to a sacral generator who makes in the moment decisions. So I kind of have a tendency to use and abuse authority sometimes. I hate to admit it, but it's true. For example, we just got married in uh, July. And so planning our wedding, like in the weeks leading up, there were some snap decisions that we had to make that I just couldn't. And so I would ask him, should we do this or should we do this? Should we go with this option or this option? And I would let allow his sacral to make those quick decisions that we just couldn't wait on. So I don't think I'm impatient with the bigger life things. I'm happy to wait. But sometimes I do get a little bit, 
I get frustrated with myself that I can't make quicker decisions about like what to eat for dinner kind of thing, for example. So that's when I really count on my partner as well, or at least offer him the ability to be able to respond, you know, because he has that tool as well. And I trust his authority just as much as I trust mine. However, we should rely on our own strategy and authority. So that is something I am definitely working on is kind of not using and abusing his instantaneous sacral response that I'm so envious of. So for your not self theme and the signature theme, which are disappointment and surprise, uh, can you share an example of how they show up in your life? And if you have noticed a pattern that leads you to either your not self theme or your signature theme? Yeah, I'll start with my not self theme. So Disappointment, I actually didn't resonate with my not self theme of disappointment for a really long time because I don't feel like I'm someone who really expects a lot from other people. So I'm never literally disappointed in someone, if that makes sense. But what I've come to realize is that my not self theme is the same feeling in my body that sinking feeling in my stomach or the pit in my stomach that I would get if I were literally disappointed in someone. So that's the thing with human design as well. Like the languaging is so nuanced and if we take it too literally, it can be very limiting. And so for a long time, I didn't think I was really disappointed ever, but I wasn't living in alignment. So realizing actually it's the physical feeling that I get when I'm disappointed, that's my not self feeling. And as an example, when I knew it was time to leave my corporate job, I had gone through a couple of lunar cycles, I knew this was something I wanted to do, although I didn't know my path forward necessarily. And how it was showing up for me on a daily basis was Every time a new task would land on my desk or someone would ask me to do something, I would get this sinking feeling in my stomach. And that was really eye-opening to me because I wasn't disappointed that someone was assigning me a task. That wasn't it. But just the work itself was making me have that feeling in my body of like closing off and feeling disappointed that I had to even do this. And so when I look back at my life, I find that my not self theme really creeps up when something is no longer right for me or when I've been somewhere for too long and it's time to leave. Most often when it comes to work or personal relationships, when it comes to surprise, I experienced it so much with just little things day to day If my husband does the dishes, for example, I'm genuinely surprised and it just comes out of me. That was also something that I didn't really relate to at the beginning. I don't think I'm surprised in the literal sense very often, but observing myself or people noticing in in me that when I am pleasantly surprised about something, it just comes out of me like, oh my God, he did the dishes. I'm so happy. And so it's just kind of like this lifting, happy, opening type of feeling as opposed to the sinking pit in my stomach. And how I experience the most surprise in my life now that I've kind of transitioned into having my own business and being in charge of my own schedule and creating a lot of space 
is I'm surprised every day by not having a fixed and consistent schedule. Every day is different. I'm always surprised and delighted by my clients because I never know what to expect. I have their chart in advance. I always spend a lot of time preparing for my readings. And then when I meet the person on the other end of the chart, I'm always so surprised and delighted. I would say that I'm just having this realization now that thinking about my nine to five job every day, I would, when I would get a new task, I would feel disappointed. And now every time I meet a new client, I feel surprised and happy and light and excited. So yeah, I would say those are my most prominent examples of experiencing surprise and delight in my everyday life. And at first, when I read that for reflectors, the signature theme was surprise. I always thought that it should be something huge, like, wow, something extra, but it can be also in your daily life, which is amazing. Yeah, exactly. I thought that as well. I know what you mean, like this big expression. Oh, I'm so surprised. And I actually don't like big surprises, which is I think something that held me back from embracing this too, like if someone plans this secret weekend for me and then just brings it on me, I do not like that. Like I need to have some time to adapt and prepare to going away for a weekend or something like that. So I always thought that, no, I don't think I like surprises, but it's not literally surprises. It's just that same feeling of, oh my God, yay, or I'm so happy to see you that you can probably hear it in my voice. <laughs> so another thing about reflectors is that the environment is very important for you. So what are your best tips for reflectors to create the right environment or make sure that they enjoy the environment they're in? Yeah, that's a great question. For me, minimalism is very key. I don't have a lot of things I don't have a lot of clothes. I keep it very simple because that just makes me feel better. I don't like to have a closet crammed full of stuff or just things all over my desktop. I don't like that. I like to have this clear space. And I used to think that I had OCD when I was younger because I would have to clean my whole room before I could sit down and study. And I used to be so hard on myself. Why can't I just sit down and study? I don't need to clean my whole space. But now I realize that I just really need to feel good in the space that I'm in in order to be able to relax, enjoy myself, focus. So keeping your space really tidy and for people who work from home or are able to be more in control of their environment like do a little tidy or dust or quick vacuum before you sit down at your desk that actually really helps me to kind of feel more at ease with where i am and i will also mention too when we're talking about strategy and authority and how important it is to wait and the contrast of the way everyday life is we really can't wait that long for everything for reflectors, you can really use how you feel in your environment as kind of a default decision maker, not for the big things, but when you're deciding which restaurant to go to for dinner, for example, I always choose based on a vibe as opposed to the actual food. Like, okay, I want to go somewhere that makes me feel really cozy and relaxed, has really dim lighting. That's what I'm craving tonight. And Using that as kind of your barometer for what's right for you. And then same with when you're taking a job or looking at apartments, 
go and see them and pursue whichever one makes you feel best in terms of the space that you're in. That is so important, especially if it's somewhere that you're going to be showing up to every day. So really being diligent about that and not allowing yourself to spend too much time in a space that doesn't feel good for you because place is so important for a reflector. Not only their literal physical environment, but their place in their community, the people that they're surrounded by. And if they're in an environment that feels good for them, that is a good indicator that they're also around people that are good for them. If they're in an environment that doesn't feel good for them, they may even start to experience ill health because they're picking up on something either in their physical space or the people around them that doesn't feel right for them. And so really using that as kind of your default of, okay, the space doesn't feel good for me. I'm just not going to come back to this restaurant or whatever it is because it really doesn't feel good. And yeah, so even though we don't have this instantaneous decision maker, like our sacral authority friends, we can still use how we feel in our environment as kind of our guiding tool for letting us know when something is correct for us and when it's not. Do you have some advice if, for example, a person lives with more people, family or friends, roommates, and they are picking up on other people's energies, they don't have their own apartment. So what would you say for that? Yeah, I mean, I've been in those situations. I've had roommates. I I mean, as a second line as well, I really need to have somewhere that I can retreat to my own little sanctuary. So whatever you can do to make yourself feel comfortable in the space, maybe you don't need to have everything super clean. Maybe that's not necessarily what makes you feel really good in in your environment, but to having the correct people around you, the correct roommates that make you feel good, that you walk in the door, you're happy to see them. Like that can be an element if you have to have roommates then be more selective about the people as opposed to what you can actually control in your environment if that's limited Um, and if you do have your own room just making that your little sanctuary that you can retreat to and it doesn't have to be this big you don't have to renovate or anything to make it feel good for you but buying a little candle or you know kind of like painting your old dresser so that it feels fresh and good for you. Like not being afraid to make tiny little tweaks to your home space or your workspace, like buying a new plant, little tiny home improvements actually can make a really huge difference for a reflector. And even just kind of changing things around or changing the furniture. And that is totally something you're still able to do even with roommates and kind of getting people on board with that. So yeah, that's that's what I would say. Don't underestimate the power of small little tweaks to your space, adding in some green or some life that can really make a huge difference to how you feel. I love those tips. And especially, you know, when it comes to those small things like candle, it can make a place more relaxing or a plant. Or I know for me, when I rearrange my furniture, it always like gives the whole new energy to a place. So it's a great advice. Exactly. Yeah. So we've talked about personal life and now I'm interested to hear what are some ways you use your unique design for running your own business? Maybe in a way you make decisions or how you use your energy or something else. Yeah. You know, it's challenging in the sense that I don't find my actual work challenging, but in terms of 
growing my business in a way that really feels organic to me is kind of something that I wouldn't say I'm struggling with, but I'm kind of focusing on right now because as a second line profile, so I'm a 5'2 reflector in human design. And as a second line, I just don't feel like showing up all the time. I'm not someone who's going to be on stories every day. I'm not someone who's going to be posting every second day that just isn't authentic to my energy. So I just keep my website super simple. I keep my IG super simple. My link to book is right in my profile. And that way, people know how to reach me very easily if they need to. People know how to book really easily. So that's just one thing that I have found makes me feel more at ease is just to know like, okay, if people need to get a hold of me or they want to book, it's very seamless. It's clearly laid out so that I don't feel this pressure to show up and direct people all the time and say like, here's how you can work with me. And so it really is this fine balance as well as a second line between spending time alone to get into my own zone of genius, which is so important, as well as answering the calls that I receive to step up. And so as an example, you inviting me to be on this podcast when I received your email, I just knew this was something I wanted to do. And my second line instinct is to close off and hide from the world. And then my open throat, I don't have anything valuable to say, you know, these are the things that kind of hold me back. So to know this about myself, this is my tendency as a second line is to want to hide from the world. But as a fifth line, there is a call for me to rise up. And when that call comes, it's important for me to listen if it feels aligned for me. So also, as an example, like I don't go out seeking podcasts to be on, you know, that doesn't feel good for me. I'm not trying to push to be super visible and out there. That would feel really cringy for me. It's just not the way that I am. I wish I was more like that. I think also the open heart center plays into that. But just kind of living life in this state of patience and trusting that what I'm doing every day does feel good for me is the way I'm able to kind of focus my energy on my sessions and my clients. That's what really feels correct for me. And if social media is draining for me, and it doesn't feel supernatural, giving myself permission to not show up every single day, I don't have to be that kind of person. My optimal dream business is all through word of mouth and just kind of this organic unfolding. That's ultimately how I aspire to grow is just authentically from someone having a great experience and gifting a session to a friend or something like that, which is kind of how it's been happening lately. Yeah, I absolutely love this. I think this is going to be so valuable for our listeners that are thinking or maybe already have their own businesses because so often we hear about these strategies, you know, you have to show up every single day and literally the same advice should apply to everyone, you know, 
post on your stories as much as you can be on different channels instagram youtube i love what you said that you're trying out a different approach so following what feels right for you and now this opportunity for example came up and all of that so i love that because we're, we're not we're not all the same and i don't think that it's the right thing that we should all follow the same strategies i agree and it's definitely something i'm still working on being really patient with myself about but the way I'm engaged in my process now feels very natural and authentic. And I want to make sure that when I am showing up in the world on social media or on podcast, it's in integrity. And it's not just because I want to be seen in some way. It's because it's something that genuinely in my heart space feels really good for me. This is something I want to do. This is someone I want to connect with. and. That's ultimately, I think, what's going to give my business longevity as opposed to I'm just trying to grow really, really fast and this is my end goal and I can't wait to get there. That's not doesn't really sound fun for me. I enjoy a bit of a slower process myself. <laughs> yeah. And I think that it would maybe lead to a burnout if you would force yourself to do things a certain way that don't actually resonate with you. Definitely. And I've been there, like trying to push and grind and make things happen. I taught yoga for a long time. And that was very much the energy of, oh, I need to teach at a new studio. I need to get more classes and kind of spreading myself super thin. And then I had all of the classes I want. And then I realized, this actually doesn't feel good for me. I don't feel, I feel tired. I don't want to get up off the couch to go teach. And I got everything that I wanted and now it doesn't feel good because I didn't go about it in a really aligned, authentic way. And now I have some rapid fire questions for you. So first, what's your zodiac sign? I am a Scorpio sun, Capricorn moon, and a Scorpio rising. Oh, that's so interesting. I am Scorpio sun, Capricorn moon and Capricorn rising. No way! Yeah. That's so cool! Yeah, I don't know a ton about my Capricorn moon. Actually, I, there's a lot about being a Scorpio that I don't necessarily resonate with, but the depth aspect of it, I definitely do. I'm a very deep person. I love to go deep with people. I feel very uncomfortable when I'm just kind of on the surface. I want to... Yeah, I, I want to go deep with people for sure. Yeah, same. I always hated small talk, for example. Yeah, exactly. Uh, next one, what book would you recommend everyone to read? The first one that comes to mind is Untamed by Glennon Doyle. And I know that's such a popular, best-selling read, but I firmly believe that if every single person on the planet, men and women alike, read this book, the world would be a better place. She just paints such a beautiful picture of her journey to deconditioning from this box that society had put her in. And I just think it's such a beautiful story of transformation and liberation. And I think everyone would benefit from reading it if they haven't already. And uh, the next one is, if you want a free trip to somewhere, all expenses paid, where would you go? I would choose Chile. My husband's family is from Chile. And I just think, I've never been, and it sounds like such a cool country because they have everything. Every single 
landscape and climate and I would just love to do a road trip from the top of Chile all the way down to the bottom and go to Patagonia maybe hit up Argentina while I'm there like I just would really love to explore that area so that's it for this interview and uh, where can our listeners find you online so you can find me on Instagram at Tanya T-A-N-Y-A Reyes R-E-Y-E-S dot H-D Um, and my website is Tanya Reyes, humandesign.com. My contact information is there. If people want to connect via email or yeah, or just DM me if you have any questions or if you want to book a session, all my links and stuff are embedded in my website and my Instagram profile. Amazing. I will leave all those links below so that our listeners can connect with you. And thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. You just finished listening to an episode on the Laivana podcast. If you liked today's episode, make sure to leave me a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Take a screenshot of this episode and share it over on Instagram. I'd really appreciate it. And if you'd like even more tips and action steps to start creating the life of your dreams, head over to my blog, laivana.com and binge on all the motivational content. Thank you for listening to this episode. Have an amazing day and I'll talk to you soon.